He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Welcome to the John Katz. That's Matiti's Cats at Night show. I'm here, I'm right, here. You're here, you're here. It's right here. There you go. Just because the microphone is uh, upside keeps down. Yeah, it keeps moving. We had a technical difficulty, but technical there's the mic. Difficult. Okay. We have a great show for you today. This is the Cats Roundtable, number one show at 5 o'clock. And this is John Katz And we have a common... No, no Republicans today. We got two common sense Democrats in the studio. Judge Richard Weinberg, Governor and Governor Patterson. And we always have the sidekick, Lydia Serrani, who keep, keeps kicking me. Uh, <laughs> Things change. The microphone when it's uh, and mom, apart. I still work here, even though I'm not in the New York Post ad. Don't worry. Well, <laughs> I had two complaints today uh, because I I have a problem with my eye. I can't see the New York Post ad. They left out Rabbi uh, Potasnik. Potasnik, and it left you out, which was wrong. Your picture should have been in it. It's okay. My mom was like, "Did something happen, honey?" And I tell, go, tell everybody what we celebrated but, today. But John, that was left out diversity. They left out a Jewish person, and it left out a woman. And I, I, I think that they left. Okay, did you see the ad? Did you have your picture in it? Uh, no, I didn't see it, and I don't think my picture's the in it. In it? And neither are you. <laughs> what the governor wasn't in it? I wasn't in it. Had, <laughs> who do we protest to? We had John a one-page ad in the New York Post, and we had a forum. Tell people. Right. We had a Ukraine forum at noon today, and you can check it out. Rita Cosby hosted it. You can check it out at WABCRadio.com. It's WABCRadio.com. You can see video of it as well right there, so check it out. Very informative. Lots going on in Ukraine, but we're also going to be talking about what's going on here in New York City. Our first guest will be uh, former police commissioner Bill Bratton. Then we'll be speaking with Senator Joe Lieberman, a Dr. Oz, and Senator Alphonse Tomato. So do we have a commissioner? And uh, Kathy, Kathy Wilde is calling Kathy in. Wilde. Oh, of course, Kathy Wilde is calling in. And then we're also going to have a little snippet from, should I say? Yeah, Newt sure. Gingrich. Newt Gingrich. Wait till you hear what Newt Gingrich says. Why he thinks the reason is why Putin did what he's doing. I mean, it is incredible. So you definitely want to listen to that. First, let's get to the police commissioner, Commissioner Bratton. So much to talk about. Commissioner Bratton, how are you, sir? I'm well. Good evening. Good evening. And um, uh, it's always good to talk to you, Commissioner. And we're trying to get New York to come back. And uh, <laughs> Good luck. Mayor, Mayor, Adams, <laughs> Mayor Adams is trying hard. And uh, uh, the uh, Senate in, in Albany and the Assembly told him to pound sand. And then they told the governor to pound sand. And... Uh, Today, I mean, I don't know. There was a tweet out that the governor took a picture with Stuart Cousins, the state, the uh, majority. Senate majority leader, and uh, and Carl uh, Hasty, the Speaker of the Assembly. Right. She put out a tweet saying, "We stand with Ukraine." Meantime, the governor she's trying to tweak the bail reform. Seventy organizations, commissioner, came out against it, like MoveOn.org and Jay Z. Move they, what they did. MoveOn.org. They, they, yeah. they still exist. They, no, yeah. No. No. They came out to oppose any changes. They want to keep it exactly the way it is. Right. And actually, Brad Lander, the controller commissioner, he wants uh, to go to go even further and says, "Let's empty out Rikers, build four jails up in the boroughs." Commissioner Bratton, what do you think? is going on it seems very insane they have all out of their minds that the picture we would like to see is the governor standing with the two of them uh, we, we, we support new york quite clearly they do not support new york city 
So the mayor has his work cut out for him. Uh, a test of uh, the mayor and uh, his desire to try and get control of the crime in the city is going to be forthcoming in the uh, near term, the next several weeks. Uh, they issued an order yesterday that uh, they're going to be encouraging their officers once again to get back out into the streets and try to do something about the quality of life crime that drives people crazy, the graffiti, the prostitution, aggressive begging, the gang gang activity, the drug dealing. And uh, the problem with that order is I'm not sure that the district attorneys are on board to enforce, uh, if you will, to work with the department when they start making arrests and issuing more summonses. Uh, the whole issue of dealing with crime is about enforcement, prosecution, and punishment. The department has huge enforcement capabilities. They're going to test them in the next couple of weeks to see if they can get the cops to re-engage. I have my own doubts that that's going to happen, but we'll see. But if the prosecutors aren't on board for the prosecution side of it, then the enforcement side is going to be no avail. And particularly if the prosecutors then uh, don't support it with punishment for the crimes that these cops are going to be arresting people for. Uh, I'm a great admirer of what Eric's trying to do and the new commissioner, but boy, they're not getting support from anybody that, that, that I can see at the moment until the public actually starts standing up and supporting them. But the public's the, uh, the group that put these characters into offices in the first place. Well, I'm not sure the, the all the public put them into place, but uh, it, it seems like a lot of people are not voting. And maybe they're going to get a reality check that they have to go out and vote. Well, where you get hurt, John, as you know, because if you've run for office yourself, citywide office, a lot of these people have extraordinary power. The, the speaker, uh, the president up in Albany, they're elected by a very small group within their district. And then they get elected by their uh, contemporaries in the uh, chambers. But effectively, uh, they're not a, a voted in by the larger population of the state or the city. They voted in by a very small minority of uh, voters who they basically, uh, that's who they're looking at. They're not looking at New York State. They're not looking at New York City. They're looking at their district. And in those districts, unfortunately, uh, uh, the voters are supporting them. So they can stand up there and say, snub their nose at the mayor, snub their nose at the governor. Uh, but the irony is the same districts they represent are the ones most afflicted with the crime that we're trying to prevent. It, it, that, and that's where the insanity comes in that you're talking about, the insanity that the, uh, the public basically doesn't get it, that they are the ultimate victims of all of this. And uh, Commissioner Bratton, uh, Commissioner Sewell, she was saying that the, what they're trying to do is prosecute these lower level crimes, the quality of life. They're calling it uh, precision policing. And I was listening to the ACLU saying that if precision policing comes back, it's basically like broken windows, which you know a, a lot about, obviously. And that once again, black and brown communities will be terrorized by the police. How can they get away with saying this when it's those very communities that are asking for the police to come back into their neighborhoods? Exactly. And it's those communities that are being terrorized by the criminal element that the police are trying to deal with. No, the commissioner, uh, the term precision policing was something that we created during my last time as commissioner. Uh, there's a number, significant number of articles. We wrote about it. It is the idea of going after those who are committing the crimes and the disorder. 
that you have the ability to really zero in on them. Like a doctor dealing with a cancer, he's not going to basically hit your whole body with radiation. He's going to basically go after the cancerous cells. Well, that's what we've been able to perfect in the police department. We know those five, seven, eight thousand characters that are committing so much of this crime. And that's where precision policing comes in. That's where neighborhood policing come in, where the cops in the neighborhood know the bad guys and the bad guys know the cops. But you made the comment about the police uh, basically engaging in the prosecution. Uh, police don't engage in the prosecution. They engage in the enforcement. But the enforcement, absent the DAs being on board to prosecute, prosecute independent of whatever Albany is trying to do up there. District attorneys have great power to work to make this city safe again, but some of them are just not in the game. They are just not collaborating. So the ultimate aspect of this, the punishment, uh, nobody's being punished. We are raising a generation of young people who effectively, uh, there are no controls in their behavior in the streets or the subways. And, uh, you know, so trying to take it back without the ability to punish, it's going to be very, very difficult. I don't envy the mayor and what he's trying to do. I think, Commissioner, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Nice to talk to you again. I I believe that you're absolutely correct. What you need is you need a unity of uh, strategy and purpose. You need the police department, you need the prosecutors, and you need the judges to all work together to understand what the problem is and get it done. And you need a city council and state legislators who work to uh, assist and not to undermine law enforcement and public safety. Well, you mentioned Brad Landers earlier. Uh, he was the most ultra-left, woke, progressive-left person on the city council. Uh, incredibly disliked by the police because he hates the NYPD. Uh, the voters of the city now put him in the position of comptroller, where he can be even more of a pain in the butt than he was <laughs> as a, a city council member. And he's already, by the statement that you referenced earlier, is clearly indicating his anti-police bias. Uh, so... Ed Koch had the most wonderful saying, the voters have spoken, now they must be punished. Well, boy, they're being punished in New York City, that's for sure. And we certainly are. Governor, you wanted to say something? No, I, I just uh, found the uh, commissioner's remarks to be quite amusing. Commissioner, though, what do you see as similar to some of the situations that you were able to fight both as commissioner uh, to uh, Mayor Giuliani and then again to Mayor de Blasio? Well, it, when I was commissioner and chief of police at Transit Police back in 1990 and 1994, and even in 2014 working with uh, Mayor de Blasio those first couple of years, that we effectively had a criminal justice system. The judge will appreciate this. Governor will appreciate this. We had district attorneys that work with the mayor, that work with the police department, that work with corrections, that effectively worked together. And actually a city council that was controlled back in those days by Peter Ballone. We now have we don't we don't have a controlled city council. We have fifty one individuals who all think they're the mayor of the city. And they basically they get into their little cabals and uh what we had the luxury of working with back in the nineties was a system. That system is it's collapsed. It's no longer in existence. And uh, we just have no collaboration in the criminal justice system any longer. And uh, so in some respects, it's uh, Humpty Dumpty sat in the wall and uh, fell off and broke into pieces. The mayor's trying to put those pieces back together again. But boy, there's a lot of people that are not supporting them. That's for sure. Commissioner Bratton, I mean, how can anybody be against the NYPD cracking down on dealing drugs in public, 
jumping the turnstile and drinking on the streets. And I mean, these are just quality of life issues. Nobody wants to see this public urination, defecation. Well, you'll have to speak to the city council, which basically took away the powers to enforce anything against those very activities you're describing. That I'm a strong proponent of broken windows. That My success in policing has always been the junction of broken windows, quality of life enforcement with very effective, serious crime control, COMSTAT, precision policing, as we call it. You can't do one without the other and have success. And for years, we tried to just deal with serious crime, and you saw the mess that New York was in the 70s and 80s. Now, basically, we have capabilities to go after serious crime, but the feeder of serious crime is broken windows, the quality of life, and that has gotten out of control in our city. So as good as they're going to be getting guns off the street and reducing, hopefully, shootings and murders, a lot of those other crimes are being fueled by the quality of life crime. The fact that you go into your local drain weed and you see these characters go into the shopping bag, load up and walk out with no fear of any type of punishment. Well, the next thing they're going to move up to is basically something even more brazen. That's why we went after fair evaders, because we soon found that fair evaders, getting away with that, felt they could get away with robbing other customers on the subway system. You know, Commissioner, no, it, 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 it's I, I, logic. I think that uh, law enforcement's got to be creative. So, for instance, back in the 30s and, you know, the Al Capone era, when they couldn't actually arrest the people, they started looking at their taxes. And that's how they got a lot of uh, mob bosses off the streets. Here, the idea is the same people who are committing the major crimes are also committing the minor ones simultaneously. So when you pick them up, you probably, when you look at their background or what they've been doing, you can identify other crimes that they were involved in. So I think I think it's actually very creative I understand the idea that sometimes in this city, in the past, the police really were rampantly out of control in some neighborhoods. But I don't think that's the case these days. And uh, that's why I think the um, uh, the, the uh, methods that are being used right now are just not going to work. Well, the, the idea is the methods that can be used, that the commissioner is trying to use, can work in the sense that you have a lot more safeguards in terms of uh, police abuse than you had in the past. The body cameras, uh, everybody's brother's carrying at least one, if not two, uh, smartphones. So the ability to get away with things that some cops got away with in years past is just not there. That you have these controls, checks and balances. You also have a very active civilian complaint review board. The department itself is very good at discipline processes. But despite all of this, you still have a legislature and a city council that spend more time on trying to find ways to go after the cops than they do going after the criminals. And we're in this uh, this sort of fantasy land at the moment. Good news is that fortunately we've got a mayor and a governor who may be forced to come back to center that are at least voices in the wilderness crying out at the moment. But maybe we can chop down some of those trees and clear a path that we can get back to sanity once again in this, in this city. Commissioner Bratton, uh, to your point, though, it has to be a collaborative effort. Just recently, that brazen crime of that man, and I keep bringing it up because it was just so vile and disgusting that he smeared the feces on a woman. He also was guilty of a hate crime attack. And the judge, Wanda Lasitra, he had four open cases against him, 40 
arrests under his belt. She didn't even remand him for a psychiatric evaluation, despite saying all these profanities at her. And it finally took him throwing a dumbbell through a window at a worker in Harlem, almost killing him for him finally to be held in Rikers. So these judges, too, need a wake up call and need to do their jobs. Well, the irony is I'm one of the strong supporters, as all uh, all of you on this show, of giving judges uh, more discretion by reforming the Bail Reform Act to effectively hold somebody for bail. But we also realize that a lot of judges in this uh, uh, state city are basically appointed. And they're basically appointed by some of the same people that we're complaining about in the sense of they don't want to prosecute crime. And so some of these judges come from the same population, if you will, of uh, uh, the progressive left. And it's all about trying to give people a second chance. But when you're giving them a 14th and 15th chance, it's time to wake up and recognize these these people are not going to be big responsive to being lenient with them. Well, Mayor, That's where punishment comes in. You need punishment for certain crimes for certain people. Mayor Adams has been clear that he wants to appoint uh, strong law and order judges. I will tell you, I, my first appointment to criminal court was by Giuliani. I was reappointed to criminal court by Bloomberg. And I went to the Supreme Court by uh, uh, Judith, Judith Kaye's appointment. And, and I will tell you that it's very important who the mayor is in terms of who's going to be appointed. The commission is absolutely correct. If you have uh, a mayor like de Blasio, whose sympathy is on the left, and the kind of people that he was appointing is much different than the people that were appointed by Giuliani and Bloomberg. It's not sympathy. It's craziness. They have gone beyond the word liberal. Well, I don't look. I ran as a liberal. Mm-hmm. The, 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 you know, liberal is worrying about the people of the inner city. These people don't worry about the people of the inner city. John, for 25 years, I described myself as a progressive uh, police leader, police chief. I no longer use the term because it's become such a negative. The progressive left, the left has basically consumed that term. And basically, the progressive left and all that we rail about on this show, and I rail about in my various social media sites, that I now describe myself as a centrist. I've worked for Republicans. I've worked for Democrats. Uh, and that... Uh, I'm, I'm all about reform. I'm all about basically evolution and change. But uh, uh, progressive has t- taken on, and liberal for that matter, such a negative uh, uh, reality in our world. Uh, Commissioner uh, Bratton, we stand by you, and thank you for everything you've done for the people of of New York. And and um, stay, you know, keep the faith. Yeah, and hopefully, We're we'll work continue together. to do. <laughs> Yes. We'll all be voices in the wilderness for a while, but we'll we'll clear we'll we'll clear a few trees. At out the end of the day, we're going to win, uh, Commissioner, because exactly. common sense and God is going to prevail. We will all pray for that. Thank you so much for again for all you're doing. Continue to do. God bless you, and God bless New York. Good being with all of you. Okay, um, Bill Bratton was a great police commissioner. He was. He's, and it's not about uh, uh, Democrat, Republican, or whatever. Have, it's, it's just not about Democrat, Republican. Absolutely. It's about common sense. Absolutely. 40-something arrests, at what point do you say enough? Stay in jail. I talked to Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, before. And uh, this uh, interview is going to appear on my Sunday show, The Roundtable. And I figured, let's play two minutes of it. My, my opinion is that Putin would rather be associated with the European community and be welcomed than being associated with the Chinese. What say you? Well, I think he would, but I think he learned when he did the 
Winter Olympics, and he spent $5 billion, and it was going to be his great showcase, and nobody would come. And I think what that convinced him of is it's sort of like nobody's ever going to invite him into their country club, so he might as well go back to being a thug, because you know, at least that way they'll be afraid of him. And the only so way do you think that was a major mistake? An ally of Xi Jinping. Do you think that was mm-hmm. a major mistake by not bringing him into the fold and and leaving him no, out? I mean, of the I, fold? I think you you either had this was before Crimea, so you either had to treat him with respect and allow him to be comfortable, or you had to recognize that if you did, you know, if you disrespected him, you would do something to get your attention, and that's what happened. And I, I think my, pers- I my personal belief is, I mean, for example, um, Obama didn't send any senior official to the Winter Olympics, and he deliberately sent people who were openly gay shortly after Russia had adopted a law that made it illegal to be gay. So if you, if you, if you take that as an example, uh, he felt deliberately insulted. Uh, he had spent all this money. This was going to be the great moment of his career. And nobody in the West would respect him. So a few months later, he's, you know, he seized Crimea and basically said, you know, if you're not going to if you're not going to let me be a friend anyway, I have no reason to be nice to you. And then he found out that the West was weak. I mean, no, nobody did anything. I mean, they they babbled about sanctions and this and that. None of it mattered. It had no effect on him. And so I think he has an attitude of contempt for the West, you know, and then frankly, if you're in the middle of fighting a war and people are trying desperately to survive and the American president's idea of strength is we'll accept 100,000 refugees, there's something pathetic when, you know, those 100,000 people would like to be in Ukraine. Uh, they would like to have their country be free and independent. They'd like to have American weapons so that they could fight the Russians. Uh, and what you have is a classic liberal administration that has no guts for this. It has no willingness to stand up to Putin. It's not willing to take any risks. Uh, and the result is, I think, deep down, that the Biden White House expects the Ukrainians to lose and, frankly, would rather have them lose and then have Russia help them with uh, the, uh, the the Iranian negotiations, which for some reason is a central value to left-wing national security people. They're, they're just desperate to find a way to do a deal with the Iranians. Well, bottom line, um, this is John Katzmanfides, I'm back. Bottom line, what, what everybody, Newt Gingrich brought everybody's memory back. Uh, Putin wanted to be a member of the European community. At one point, he even talked about being a member of NATO. And he wanted to be aligned. And he aligned himself with Germany uh, later on and Erdogan. Bottom line, he says, that Obama insulted him. Putin spent all of Russia's money, $5 billion, creating the Olympics. And Obama insulted him and sent uh, gays there where the Russians weren't tolerating gays at that time. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't send any senior officials. And they made him feel like crap. Right, disrespected. Disrespected. And, you know, for a guy like Putin to feel disrespected, any comments, uh, uh, Governor or Judge? I think uh, Putin is a pathological personality. I think he's a dangerous personality. And I think you either have to beat him back or you have to uh, defer to him. And I think uh, Speaker Gingrich is right. Respect. If you could have bought him off with respect, you should have bought him off with respect. 
And he's a thug. He's, he's a thug. He's a thug. But that was I've never heard that theory before. So that interview, you'll hear the entire interview. Cats Roundtable Sunday at what time, John? Uh, it's between that one, between nine o'clock and ten o'clock on Sunday, yes. Sun, nine a.m. to ten a.m. Nation, so, uh, nationwide. So uh, you definitely want to listen to it. And when we come back, we will have a Senator Joe Lieberman. We'll talk more about that Iran deal that you heard Newt Gingrich mention. Stay tuned. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katzimatini's and Cats at Night on seventy-seven WABC. We're back. Uh, this is Cats at Night, John Cats and TVs. We're waiting for the senator to call in. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Governor Patterson, while we were on break, you told us about an incident in Harlem. There was an incident about a week ago where uh, these young people on motorbikes, they went through a red light and they hit a car. Then they chased the car, surrounded it, broke the windows of the car and beat up a father and a son. The father was in his late 60s. He's still in the hospital the son and the father lying on the ground. Finally, when they think the police are coming, they leave. And a passerby walks by and kicks the father and the son while they're on the ground. There's a videotape of this. If you just, I don't know what you would call just, up uh, a motorbike um, disaster in Harlem, people injured. But it is a horrible story. And uh, What's going on to I our just, city? You know, they're trying to destroy our civilization, uh, Governor. Well, I was just surprised that there wasn't much of a media report about this incident. I mean, it was horrible. What is, well, they could have killed good, them. That's a good point. Why wasn't there coverage of that? Why wasn't there because it was outrage? Because it was in Harlem and because the victims, as well as the perpetrators, are black. That's what it is. That's, I thought the victims were white. I don't think they were white. I think they were Hispanic I, or, okay, or they were people okay, of color. Okay. Most respectfully to both of you, I don't think it makes a difference whether no, they're doesn't. white or black or, or Asian or Latino. Oh, I think, I think if they were white guys beating up on a black person, no, I think they would have think, been media attention. I think, I think the problem is, I think the problem is that we're getting used to this kind of lawlessness and this kind of insanity and would, and it's just another day where somebody else is pushed in front of a train or hit over the head by a baseball bat walking down the street or pushed down the steps of a subway station. We're getting used to this. We're getting inured to this. And that's very, very dangerous. We're not, we're not going through moral outrage and to react against Why are it. people so angry like that 26-year-old girl that shoved the 87-year-old woman down on the sidewalk well, just because she was example. Yeah. That's a perfect example. That was two white folks. Right. Okay. No, no. But the reason it was so outrageous is because she felt like the old woman wasn't walking fast enough. That's what it looks like. And then she just shoved her to the ground. She ends up dying. But everybody's so angry. John, don't you see it? Like even like it's like everybody's so angry about COVID or I don't know what is going there, there on. There are people that deserve to be in hospitals because they're mentally ill. There are people that deserve to be in jails because they have. But you got about three strikes and you're out. They may have 20 strikes. But John, I, I couldn't agree with you more. but. That woman that shoved the other woman down was not mentally ill. No. In other words, it's this sort of just, you know, maybe it's the combination of COVID and and the crime rate and that kind of thing getting to people where they're just losing it seemingly for no reason. There's a total loss of civility. People will not listen to other people speak. If you try to speak and, and the other group does not like what you're saying, they try to shut you down. The only thing that's acceptable is repeating almost as a mantra their point of view. You have no right to your own mind, your own your own thought. There's no civility in terms of holding the door for some somebody else. If somebody's in their way, they, they, they push you. Everybody's super aggressive, and okay. that's because we're not accepting stuff. 
Let's go straight to Dr. Oz is on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator Lieberman, and we'll wait for him later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Dr. Oz, who doesn't know who Dr. Oz is? He's Everybody like the, knows he's Dr. the nation's Oz. doctor. He's also running for office. And uh, tell, hi, Dr. Oz. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I got a little shocking news yesterday, though. Tell us. Tell us. So I opened the log on my email. I get this very official short note from the White House telling me that if I don't resign the president's council for sports, fitness and nutrition in six hours, they're going to fire me. It's like a mission impossible. So I, initially, I thought, <laughs> they obviously got it. You know, knowing President Biden's issues, maybe he got it wrong. He meant to fire Fauci. Instead, he fired me. <laughs> then, then I realized, this guy's serious. And I'm what? thinking, with inflation at a four-year, 40-year high, gas prices at a 15-year high, we're a raging war in the Ukraine with horrible atrocities. Now he thinks he should fire me from the president's council? And, I and he wasn't even in the United States. Where the why? heck was he? He was in Brussels. But why? Yeah. Okay. That's the point. Why would you do it now? Well, first of all, why would you do it at all? The President's Council for Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition is a charitable endeavor, basically. You're donating your time as a notable influencer. You know, we've got athletes on there. Herschel Walker, by the way, was the other person they fired with me. And so you've got people who are trying to help young kids get healthy, understand their bodies, develop mental resilience. Most of what I did was try to recruit coaches. You know, I've got a kids foundation that I started with my wife called Health Corps. Uh, we raised $80 million. You guys, John has been helpful every single year with our foundation. God bless you. We raised you know, money to help kids learn about their bodies and get tough mentally. And, you know, that's why President Trump appointed me to the council. And I enjoyed trying to serve. He reappointed me in 2020 in, in, uh, at the end of the year. And I'm supposed to be in there for another term. But Biden, meanwhile, politicizes the process. And by doing that, he started creating a big problem that's getting worse and worse. Which is basically he's saying, listen, if you're a Republican, we don't want you around. And I'm not quitting. And here's the crazy thing. When the White House got pressure, they say, oh, it's the Hatch Act. The Hatch Act is just to prevent federal employees from you know, being political. Are you kidding me? I'm an unpaid volunteer. You know, I'm only limited to being apolitical when I'm serving, which is a couple days a year. Meanwhile, Fauci is overtly political. He's giving interviews, and he was when President Trump was in office, saying that Biden was a better candidate. That's a violation of the, of the, uh, the Hatch Act, and yet no one's talking about that. And I think it's a reprehensible act. I refuse to resign. He's got to fire me if he wants me to, to drop off. I don't think he's got the legal right to unless he personally wants me gone. After I think Herschel Walker said the same thing. Dr. Oz, it's uh, David Patterson. How are you? Hey, David. How have you been? Okay. So usually in these situations, if you've got appointees on a board and maybe you have someone who, you know, has been screaming to be put on a board or something like that, you go to the person and just ask them, you know, would you step down? What really surprises me the most about this is the cloak and dagger way that the message was delivered, almost as if they were inciting you to get into a controversy with them. That crossed my mind, David. It's either gross incompetence um, or they're trying to bait me. Now, I thought about it. I said, first off, why are they doing it now? To answer the first question you guys raised, I've I've been campaigning for four months. So if it's really about me being a Republican candidate for senator in Pennsylvania, they should have made this decision four months ago. Herschel's been campaigning even longer. So I actually think they didn't realize what was happening. They found out, panicked, and then without doing their homework, sought to fire me. There is no legal precedent to fire me. There are plenty of examples of, of, of people who are partisan, it, the Democrats serving in councils where they're being political, and they could be let go because of the hat check. This is, I think, because I've been a thorn in their side on energy policy, uh, COVID, and other issues. 
because I noticed that Washington has different values than we have here in Pennsylvania. And so when Washington gets it wrong, I call it out. And just not to spend a lot of time on energy policy, but why is it that President Biden just can't say it's a national security benefit to our country to have free flow of energy? And then we've got to figure out over time how to make sure that even more of the environment is protected. Why can't he say that? That will give confidence to natural gas producers who make, by the way, dramatically drop our carbon footprint in America to confidently drill and then ship, for example, to New York, uh, the natural gas that's a lot better for the environment than having the Colombians drill in not as clean a way in South America and then pump it up with boats, which is, of course, a, a waste of energy. But he can't say it. How is the race in Pennsylvania going? You have a primary coming up? we got a primary uh, on May 17th. The race is tight. I've got a small lead, but uh, this is a race that's going to go down to the wire. A bunch of candidates. There was a front-page New York Times article that you guys probably saw over the weekend accusing my main competitor of being a bigot because he showed President Trump a picture of me at my father's funeral. My father is a, a secular Muslim, so he said, this guy's unelectable. He's a Muslim. And so, again, this is the New York Times reporting. You've got to go to them for the details. But there are several corroborators. Uh, President Trump rejected that, thankfully, um, and appropriately. And the folks in Pennsylvania are, are, are right at, irate at this. But a lot of this comes down to the basic uh, realities of campaigning in a primary. What differentiates me from everybody else is I have fought on the biggest stage, as you guys know, on national television, making sure that big pharma, big tech, big agrochemical companies, even Washington was held accountable for their actions. We need a loud voice, a bold voice in Washington to articulate that Republicans too often show up at knife fights, culture war knife fights with index cards and start mentioning small tax policy issues. Meanwhile, our schools are taken over, our borders made porous. We've got to be clear in what we stand for and our values. Democrats will come on board if we do that. Dr. Oz, thank you for calling in. And uh, we're going to have to take a break right now. And uh, good luck in your race. And uh, we'll catch up again real soon. Check out DrOz.com. All the info's there. I know about breaks. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's take a break, and we got uh, uh, Senator Lieberman uh, holding on. John Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show on the line for us right now is Senator Joe Lieberman, who served as a U.S. Senator from Connecticut from 1989 until 2013. And he was also nominee for vice president of the United States in the 2000 election. And as John Katz would say, he is one common sense Democrat. Welcome to <laughs> Cats at Night again. Well, uh, great to be here. What, what better description could I ask? From a better guy, there is none better than John. Well, so thank you, Senator. Senator, give us an update. What, what what do you think is going on with NATO and uh, and uh, President Biden? And just give us yeah. an update. Well, look, um, uh, Putin's uh, invasion of uh, Ukraine has really awakened everybody. They they were sort of kidding themselves that there was nothing to worry about anymore. For the Europeans, particularly. John, I think uh, after the Cold War ended and they had been in, you know, over the last two or three hundred years, re- regular combat warfare in Europe, they, they wanted peace. And, and in a way, they didn't see the threats uh, coming. It didn't really evaluate Putin uh, accurately when he struck Ukraine. I think it woke them up. And they, they are working well together with uh, the U.S. in the lead. President Biden, I think, has done uh, well, at that, we're giving them a lot of the Ukrainians a lot of help, and uh, we're also economically punishing Russia. But 
I keep having this feeling that we're not still not doing enough quickly enough. The real heroes here are the Ukrainian people and their resistance. Uh, remarkable advances militarily on the ground against this presumably mighty uh, Russian military. But uh, but still, the the Russians have so much power from the air, particularly that they've been able to destroy whole cities. I mean, you look at the Marriott, pictures of Mariupol, it, it really takes us back uh, to World War II mm-hmm. and some of the devastation done. So I, I just think what, what, what the West has done so far has been good, but I, I wish we'd get more uh, uh, weapon systems to the um, Ukrainians to, to stop the Russian dominance of the air. And of course, I, I've already called for a no-fly zone I know it's risky, but uh, it, it, what's riskier is letting a, a bully and a thug like Putin um, carry and, and, and win against Ukraine, take it over. And uh, I don't think he's going to stop there. I, the, the Ukraine forces have suffered losses, but Putin has suffered tremendous losses. And, and it showed that his army is not really an army. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I, I it's it's crazy. Um, it's one of the big stories here, John. You're right. I mean, they they still have pretty sophisticated weapon systems, but uh, they, they, the 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 troops were not ready for this battle. And and I'll tell you something else. It always the the capacity, the the will, the desire to win in the military matters. And uh, my impression is that most of the Russian soldiers on the ground there. Don't know why they're there. They're there because Putin told them to be there. They don't hate the Ukrainians. They're not afraid of the Ukrainians. Uh, but the Ukrainians are fighting for their homeland, and they have been honestly so brave and inspiring uh, to the rest of the world. Tell us about the deal they're trying to do with Russia being the go-between on giving them ten billion dollars to to build a nuclear plant for Iran. Well, I mean, what is that? I tell you, if, if I don't, if I didn't believe it was actually happening, I think it was somebody's bad idea of, of humor, uh, because it's unbelievable. I mean, here we have uh, Putin being described by President Biden as a war criminal, and I think he's right. He is a war criminal, uh, and he's obliterating and killing people wantonly. At the same time, we are relying on Putin's emissaries to Vienna to negotiate a deal with Iran. How can we expect that to be an agreement that will uh, serve our purposes and and stop Iran's nuclear program, which is why we in Congress on a bipartisan basis for the last 15 or 20 years adopted all these economic sanctions against Iran, not so that they could be uh, wiped out uh, just for a, a sort of a, a, a deal that really is not a deal at all, uh, but but for the end of their nuclear program, and it, it, it's not happening. I, I just I, I don't know what what the Biden administration is thinking. If I were them, uh, and they asked me, but I would tell them leave the table in Vienna. It's a loser, and uh, uh, begin to impose more penalties on. Uh, uh, economically on Iran until they really want to come back and do a deal that will end their nuclear program. And this time, uh, don't have Russia and China at the table representing us. Have our European allies. And and, for, uh, and how about bringing in the people in the Middle East who are most affected by Iran, namely uh, 
Israel and the Arab countries that are our allies. Senator, uh, it's uh, it's uh, Richard Weinberg, sir. What I wanted to ask you is, don't you think since there have been major modifications proposed in the old Obama deal that this is something that should be a treaty that's subject to the advice and consent of the Senate? Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, You know, this is a game that was played by the Obama administration. Uh, This deal with with Iran is an arms control agreement, and... Almost all the arms control agreements the U.S. has entered into, I mean, over nuclear arms with countries like Russia, have been treaties. They've been, submi- they've been submitted to the Senate. They required 67 votes. That means you've got to have bipartisan support. Yeah, it's harder to get that kind of support. But once you do, you've got an agreement uh, that both parties uh, have signed on to, and it has a much better chance of being in America's national interests and of lasting because both uh, this deal if it if it's signed with all the terrible provisions we hear in it will squeak through uh in fact it's hard to find a way procedurally that the senate even if a majority of members of both houses are against it which i think they will be can stop it but believe me uh, that uh, if in 2024 a republican is elected President. Incidentally, before that, every Republican candidate for president in 2024, I bet, will will say, if I'm elected, I will pull us out of this terrible agreement on nuclear weapons with Iran, and they will. Uh, and so, it's about time we learn from those lessons that the right way to do this is by uh, doing it as a treaty, which is obviously what it is. Senator Lieberman, uh, one final. Uh uh, talk to uh, the American people. Say that again. I'm sorry. Say whatever you want to tell the American people. We have oh, time for one last yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. God bless you for saying that. Look, these are tough times, but we're, we're honestly, we're still the best country in the world. Uh, the world needs us. Uh, and uh, they don't want to rely on China or Russia because they, they, they know that we're more, we're more fair with people. And when we pull back, the bad guys enter the field. So, uh, and it, it matters to us here at home. When things go crazy in the world, as they are now, um, it comes right home in the price of gas that people are paying. The price uh, of food, so, too. Price of food, exactly. So let's be the world leaders we've been. Uh, it's not only good for the world, it's good for us, our, our prosperity, our security, and ultimately our freedom. So, you know, I know you know this. John, but really, uh, we're blessed to be Americans, and we have a responsibility to protect this great country, and and, uh, we will. We stand by your side, Senator, and uh, we do have a responsibility, and we got to protect the United States of America. Thank you so much. Amen. Thanks, John. God God bless bless you. Be well. God bless. Uh, Let's take a break. And when we come back, Senator D'Amato. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. There was some breaking news that I wanted to bring to your attention, Senator D'Amato. It looks like uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, she sent a text message. It's now being revealed to Mark Meadows talking about the election being stolen. I mean, we all know that you can't always control your spouse. So they're trying to make this big deal and slam uh, Justice Thomas. Well, uh, 
Mrs. Thomas has always had that point of view, Senator. What do you think? Listen, we blew the election. We had enough going in there to beat them. We could have exposed the shakedown that the vice president was able to do in the Ukraine when he brags about it in front of a very prominent group of New Yorkers, and it's been televised, uh, that he went there and he said to the prime minister, unless you fire this prosecutor, and who was the prosecutor going after? He was going after the company, the energy company in the Ukraine that Biden's son Hunter was working for. He said, you got six hours. And by the way, this is on TV. Uh, this, this has been filmed. And and he says, ha ha, can you believe I told him you had six hours to fire him? Otherwise, I'm flying back and you're not getting the billion dollars. He said, and they fired him and he laughs. I mean, all you have to do is put that on TV, explain it and say, this is what he did, etc. You would have won the election. Don't start crying before you because you screwed up your campaign because you didn't challenge the actions of the states that changed the law, in some cases improperly, that changed the law, and you challenge them after the election. What stupidity. Okay. Let's let's forget about yesterday. Let's talk about today. Well, today, I have to tell you, um, we're going to take in 100,000 refugees from the Ukraine. Um, That's no big deal. I say it's the right thing. We're doing the right thing. But we have 100,000 illegals coming over. It's actually more every month. We have 500 children unaccompanied, little kids, two and three and four years old, coming over the border every day. What the heck is the, the, the president? He's now the president. What's he doing? Close down that border and you let people come in the right way. And 100,000, that's the least you could do because you're endangering those people every day by not getting them the firepower they're not asking for our people. Give us the firepower, the anti-tank, the anti-plane missiles, etc., in in order to to defeat the Russians and drive them out. Don't have them begging for God's sakes. We're bringing in a hundred thousand. We're bringing a hundred thousand a month from South America, Central America. That's and, right. And, and and to only bring in a hundred thousand Ukrainians, why? Well, that's what I'm saying. A hundred thousand. It's good. I'm happy, but uh, you got 100,000 illegals coming in a month. Oh, over 150,000. kids coming in a day. It's a disgrace. Senator and he handled this thing disgracefully. We look like we're beggars. Instead of standing up, if you don't stand up to the madman, he's going to keep pushing, keep killing people in the Ukraine, and he's going to take it beyond. You can't be terrorized by a thug. You got to stand up, and we have not stood up. Well, yeah, that's what you do to bully Senator Demata. You got to punch him in the face. And the fiscal year 2021, we took in over two million migrants at the border. Two million. I mean, this—it's not sustainable. Well, and and who pays for them once they're here? Once those uh, families uh, um, and those kids. By the way, to educate the children that they send to Long Island. 
uh, costs twenty thousand dollars plus a child. If, if they and they've re- relocated hundreds of them that we know of in Nassau County and Suffolk County, and who pays? The local taxpayers, the property taxpayers. So. This is just a small tidbit, an example of the stupidity and the arrogance of this administration. They should be ashamed of themselves. I'll I'll tell you, uh, the president, what he has done in place of such a precarious position with respect to our energy, for God's sakes, let the companies who are here develop our natural gas and our oil. Sure, we want to have a perfect environment, but you can't do it overnight. And to make us hostage to, to the Russians and that they're going to be selling oil and coal, etc. And, and and we now have to import. This is ridiculous. Yeah, but it's wrong. You're 100% right. Yeah. No, why can't he run again? Well, well, yeah, but the important thing, Senator, is at least we know that the Iran deal is being negotiated by the Russians. So that should work out very well. Oh, and imagine they're going to be the enforcers. They're going to see oh. whether Iran uh, complies. We should never, never enter an agreement with a bunch of killers who break their word, who have continuously done that, who have been responsible for attacking American troops last month. I mean, what are we kidding? They have their groups attacking American positions. This this is incredible. All, all I can God, say, what a mess we're in. This is a mess. Yep. Gov- Governor, this God. is a mess. And it's not one that we, we couldn't see that was going to happen. We said this would happen. Remember that first time, as soon as he shut down that Keystone Pipeline, what did you say, John? Well, we're going to have a problem. The price of oil is going to double. Yep, you called well, it. Well, Listen. everybody knows that if we opened up North America, North America could be self-sufficient. And uh, just uh, nobody understands why he's not doing it. Why are we looking to make a treaty with Iran and Russia and not like what John has said to do a treaty with Canada and Mexico so we can once again become energy we can independent? 15 million barrels a day and be self-sufficient. Well, wow. our, our time is up. It's, you know, and thank you, Senator D'Amato, for coming on. And God bless you and and Judge Weinberg, Governor Patterson. But, John, I want to say. Go ahead. Uh, he wants to stay, he said. You want to stay? <laughs> yes. Why not? <laughs> okay, move Let's in. Just keep going. Governor, move in. Move in. <laughs> God bless uh, America. God bless New York. And to help people of the Ukraine, go to WABCRadio.com. Go to donations. Make a donation to feed the people of Ukraine. Judge, you're giving $1,000, you I'm said? giving $1,000 to the fund and Speaker Peter Vallone, former Speaker of the City Council. And 100% is, is, of the proceeds. Uh, that's right. 100% proceed goes to, to the, the food company, John. Yeah, Goya. we're going to send it to Goya Foods, and they're going to uh, send more uh, food to the Ukraine.